fear is a funny thing, or we humans are funny because we talk ourselves into all kinds of reasons for not doing something. And that's fear because we don't like change. But if you can just get past that, you realize the world is your home. There are nice people everywhere. There are great things everywhere. Welcome to my show, Big Little Choices. I'm Shree, and my show is about the amazing women and especially moms that all of us are surrounded with. Each episode will feature a mom that I admire and someone who has made a bold and unconventional choice because it's what's best for her and her family. This show is also about building community, so you can hear stories from others like yourself and sometimes very much unlike yourself and feel empowered to make choices that are right for you. I hope you enjoy the show. My guest today is a dear friend, advisor and neighbor, Anna. Anna was born in San Francisco and at six weeks was carried over with her mom to Europe because her father was a civilian teacher in the army. She literally grew up in the jump seat of an old Volkswagen Beetle and ultimately made her way back to the US about five years later when her father passed away. What was it like being an only child, um, you and your mother, and I'm assuming like you were a very independent child because you sort of had to fend for yourself in some sense? Well, yes. Um, when my father died, my mother started working. And in the early 60s, it was not easy for women who were single moms. So she found a school that had an after-school program. And wherever we lived, she always made sure that we were near to a school and that I could walk there mm -hmm. and figured out with me the key and how to get home. And so, yes, I, I did spend... I was independent very early on because I had to be. Yeah. And it sounds like Nancy then eventually went on to remarry. Yes. So Jack Freeman, a Bay Area artist, came into my mother's life when I was 11. Mm -hmm. And wow, he just turned things on our heads because... He was an artist, he knew all the poets, he knew musicians, and my mother was a secretary working for a conservative mining company. Mm. So it was a very interesting mix. Do you have any memories of like, you know, what your mother was like back then? She's always been a positive force. She loves people, um, but very practical and pragmatic at the same time. So her main goal was, you know, she worked and I was, she was taking care of me and doing everything to make sure I stayed on course. But she always also had that side of her, which I think attracted her to my stepfather. Mm -hmm. um, after all, she met my father in Greenwich Village, which was also sort of a beatnik mm -hmm. area of mm -hmm. New York. So I think she, it was a calling back to a part of her that she felt wasn't being expressed. Mm -hmm because she was working every day nine to five as a secretary and I think meeting Jack kind of brought out a part of her that had been suppressed for a long time. Well, here comes a big decision in my life. Uh -huh. I was signed up to go to San Diego State mm -hmm. and decided, ah, it's a much better idea to go off to Europe and not go to college. And in retrospect, I can understand why I made that decision. At the time, my mother was not particularly happy. And I didn't feel, at the time, I kind of thought I was being a bit reckless, that I was just 
I'm not going to do college, I'm going to go to Europe. But I now understand when I look back that I wasn't ready for college, and I'm glad I didn't go at that time. So the, my point person there, if you will, was my great aunt, mm -hmm. whom I had heard about my entire life being this fascinating, amazing woman. Uh, Toddy was her name, and indeed she was. Uh, she had married an Austrian. She had um, gone through the the war. She was had two young boys. She had to report to the. She was American. She had to report to the Gestapo once a week, but she was also helping the Jews mm -hmm. underground, um, and just an amazing woman, an accomplished pianist. So. Off I went to stay with her. I was only going to stay three months. Mm -hmm. And I ended up staying, well, I was first a year, and then I went back to Europe after a stint in New York mm -hmm. and met my husband and was there five years. So while Europe was meant to be a short trip, it ended up becoming much longer than she had initially anticipated. Six months where I could sort of speak rudimentary German and then the more I could understand and speak the language the richer and deeper the experience became mm. and uh, you know I just made good friends I was walking the streets from the morning to the evening I was tutoring English to some students and I was also loving just staying with my great aunt mm -hmm. and getting to know her because mm -hmm. she told me a lot of stories about the war and granted you know you never can know what it's like to live through a war but she got me as close to experiencing what it was like mm -hmm. as I think anyone could do so she was a fascinating woman so all of a sudden, I've been a, there for five years. What a great experience. Yeah. And then when do you, and how do you meet your husband? I met my husband through my great aunt's son. Uh-huh. So they were friends, but I just hadn't met him. Um, I was actually in an automobile accident, and that was sort of the connection because uh, my husband's brother was a doctor and so he checked in on me and um, when I went back to Vienna I wanted to meet this person who had jumped in and introduced me to his brother so I'd be well looked after and there was this golden guy with blonde hair and blue eyes and he walked in and that was that. It was love at first sight? Pretty much. Well, no, it was not. He was breaking up with a girlfriend, <laughs> and I was a supportive friend, yeah. you know, so, but then one thing led to another, and then it was love at first sight, after he broke up with his girlfriend. So then, did you uh, choose to stay back in Vienna for a few more years, or did you find your way back to the States pretty soon after? So, we, um, he was finishing up his PhD, we were living together, and we decided to get married. Um, our son was actually born in Austria. Uh -huh. And we would have, or we might have stayed. I love Austria. But he wanted to be in software. Okay. And there was nothing in Austria. Much too small a country um, at the time. There was just not even one software company anywhere. So we decided, well... San Francisco, Silicon Valley, California, maybe that's where we should be. And we moved. And I want to um, 
digress for a second over here because what I hear is this spirit of adventure in you, right? Where you never seem to shy away from making these big moves and either, you know, from, was it San Francisco to Europe, back to the US, what is it that fuels these? And I know we'll talk a little bit more about other moves that you've subsequently made, but what is it that fuels this desire for like movement and adventure and not feeling like you're bound to one place? It may or may not have been the early years of my life where we were bopping around in the VW Beetle, mm-hmm. where I my sense is always, I've never had that sense like some people do that this is your home. Sort of the world I've always felt is my home because I've always been traveling in it from a very early age. So I guess perhaps I don't have those deep-rooted ties that some people do to a geographical place that they say this is home, Mm -hmm. which doesn't mean it's not scary sometimes, you know, to make a big decision and fear is a funny thing or we humans are funny because we talk ourselves into all kinds of reasons for not doing something and that's fear because we don't like change, Mm -hmm. but if you can just get past that, you realize the world is your home. There are nice people everywhere. There are great things everywhere. So five years into Europe, Michael and Anna decided to make a move back to California with their then eight-week-old son, Philip. After a short stint in San Jose, they moved to Southern California, where they ended up spending the next five years. I was a stay-home mom, and I really liked being a stay-home mom. And I think the attraction to that for me was my mother couldn't be at home, she had to work. And I always felt, if I can, um, it'd be great to be home with the kids. I want to experience that. And we had a ball. We had so much fun. I really enjoyed it. How did you come to terms with that decision? Being in the moment, I think, which of course was a lot easier then because there wasn't the pressures of social media. Mm-hmm. but. Honestly, we were having so much fun that at the end of the day, I felt very rewarded that I was able to spend that day with my kids. And because I had already gone the unconventional route where I had decided to go to Europe and not do school, I felt like I I had my own playbook anyway, that I was already not conforming. So why conform now? So let's talk a little bit about what happens when you move from Southern California to Boston. That was a momentous move, I'll say, because uh, Michael had gone on a business trip, came back on a red eye, Mm -hmm. and announced that he had accepted a job on the East Coast. Okay. I'd never been to Boston. Uh, I arrived in March, which means it's the tail end of winter, the snow is dirty, there's a whole winter's worth of trash lined along the streets, everything's gray, no color. The drive from the airport up to Marblehead is not a pretty roadway. And I was crying, sobbing, where have you taken us? And then you get a little further up the coast and there was a white steeple church in Swampscott and I could feel my shoulders kind of relax a little bit. And then we rounded the bend and there was beautiful Marblehead. And then I thought, well, maybe, maybe this will be okay. Um, That move was probably, I was 
I was the least courageous of all the decisions I've made. I was Mm -hmm. not particularly courageous on that one. I think it's because I had two small children. And so you're protective and you want Mm -hmm. to keep the things that you know. In retrospect, again, it turned out to be a great decision because Mm -hmm. the schools on the East Coast are very good. So they got to go to public schools and they got a great education. We met wonderful people, wonderful friends. I don't miss the snow, but everything else was wonderful. But that was that was the hardest decision, I think, for me, that we made. And it was because you just were unfamiliar with the East Coast? Or was it that you didn't want to uproot yourself from the West Coast because that's where you'd grown up? But, you know, you had already moved to Austria. You'd moved to a different continent. So what was it about the East Coast that made you so um, nervous about sort of uprooting and moving all over again? I think it comes down to two things that... One, that it was announced that we were moving, so it wasn't exactly a part of the uh, decision-making process, but we had to. We had to move um, for this job opportunity. Um, But I think it was just where I was in my life, and I think everyone who is a mother will feel this at some point, that um, you're like a lioness. You become fiercely protective Mm -hmm. of your children, and you try to create a certain environment and at that given point, they had a great little life going. They had, we had a mommy and me classes. They had their little friends. And so I was afraid that the move was going to be so hard for them. But really, they were four and two, so very young, and they were fine. And then came something unexpected. I had been doing some part-time work because I speak German, I was giving tours to German tourists who were coming into Boston. And that was fun, but in the back of my mind, I had always wanted to go back to school. It was something I wanted to do. It just had to be the right time. So I don't remember the day or what the epiphany was or what I had had for breakfast that made me decide to do it, but I decided to enroll at Salem State University. And how old were you then? 38. Amazing. I was 38 years old. And you had not gone back to college at any point between 18 and 38 by then? No. Wow. Okay. They had a nice program that you could test out of certain classes if you were proficient just through life experiences, if you whether it was an English lit or this or that, you could test out. So I only had to do three years versus four. But I decided if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be a day student and I'm going to get this done. So Anna went from a stay-at-home mom to a full-time college student. She excelled academically and completed the program in three years. And then came the next challenge, facing the real world. I was terrified because I had nothing against which to measure my abilities in a work environment. So initially, I set the bar pretty low in terms of what my degree could have let me do. I went for an administrative position Mm -hmm. just to kind of see what would happen. I was so nervous in the interview, and the young woman who was interviewing me is probably 24, Um, but a very open-minded, lovely woman. So I'm thinking I didn't do well in the interview, but I get a call back. Mm. Yes, we'd love to hire you on. And it was at EBSCO Publishing in Mm. Ipswich, Massachusetts. Mm. So to start, I was an administrative assistant. Um, 
and it was good that I, for me, and because I had the luxury of being able to kind of pick and choose what I wanted to do since Michael was still working, it was a good first experience because it let me get my feet wet and sort of check out where everyone else was and where I was. I was particularly nervous about being able to navigate a computer mm-hmm. in a work environment. Um, it's probably good that Michael was always in the software business because I seem to have picked up a lot by osmosis mm-hmm. and was was doing fine. But um, even socially, it was a, a bit scary because I had been used to just being around friends or with my kids and had to sort of figure out the crossing the T's and dotting the I's of the social work environment. Once Anna joined the workforce, there was no stopping her. From an administrative assistant to the chief of staff for the Department of Agricultural Resources in Massachusetts and ultimately a senior marketing role at U.S. Cranberries, Anna took on new challenges and proved that unconventional choices can still lead to success in life. And then there was another move in store for her. Once her stepfather Jack passed away and her mother Nancy had a stroke, Anna chose to come back to San Francisco. What was it like to make that decision to come back home, so to speak? That one was interesting because when you've lived someplace almost 30 years, you've accumulated a lot of stuff. You have Mm -hmm. a lot of friends, Mm -hmm. you have ties, you have these jobs. And so again, that little core fear comes through. Oh, you can't do that. You have all your friends here. You can't do that. You don't know anyone in San Francisco anymore. What are you going to do there? And all of these things come creeping into your head why you can't do it. Once you work through that, process that, and say, but yeah, we can. It's going to be a lot of work, but we can do it. Once you can make that switch, thing, it, it, it is easy, actually. We just say it's hard, but really, once you start doing it, moving and selling furniture on Craigslist and organizing a moving van and this, that, and the other thing, you do it. And we did it. And we looked at it as another great opportunity. Um, And if we were going to do it, we were going to do it now because it's not going to get easier the older we get. I really enjoyed talking to Anna since I'm someone who tends to second-guess her decisions. And hearing from her on how to create your own playbook and still find success at home and work was very inspiring. We wrapped up our chat by talking about how to find that courage when you're making big or small life decisions, where in the moment... It all seems very chaotic, but ultimately, it does work out. And there really is no right or wrong decision. There are just different decisions. Mm -hmm. And to try to embrace the concept that someone like myself, where you can take an unconventional course in life, that the great thing about being in the, in the States particularly is you can plug in at any time. There's a great support mechanism of women who help each other out that it's going to, it will work out. But try to work through the, that fear in the beginning knowing that once you process that, things will fall into place and work out well. Thank you for listening to this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back soon with another interview. And until then, if you have any feedback or comments on the kinds of choices you want to hear more about, let me know.